I actually had a phone call for someone. She said, well, I just want to let you know that other women need to hear your story because they don't know that you can be successful or have whatever afterwards. It's that fear of I can't create some awesome future for myself that keeps women in these relationships because you end up losing so much and it is like having a virtual lobotomy to stay in those relationships. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator at the Community Information Centre in Townsville. And in this episode of Brave, I'm speaking with Verena Coombe. Most of our listeners would probably know Verena as a former councillor at the Townsville City Council. That's an important part of her story, but in this episode, she shares some of the struggles that have shaped her into the strong woman she is today and why her children are the most important parts in her life. This episode includes discussion of domestic violence. If this topic raises any issues for you, please reach out to the support services listed in this episode description. The Townsville Community Information Centre acknowledges and pays respects to the Bindal and Woolgarugabar people, the traditional owners of the land and waters where this episode is produced. Verena, you were a councillor at the Townsville City Council for a term. Talk me through the process of what got you into politics. Wow, I know. <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? I have always loved politics. My dad was into current affairs and when I was a kid, you only had two TV stations and ours was always on the ABC. <laughs> so you got ABC News and then we had the 7.30 report and then you had whatever came after that. And so we were just surrounded by news and current affairs constantly and it became just a source of love, you know, and it's a connection point with my dad and I. Whenever we're together, you can guarantee that politics is going to be talked about and you know not just you know local or um, uh, around Australia you know we, we talk about international politics a lot and it really you know can be very mind-opening to to know all about that stuff so I kind of loved it I've always been interested in it everybody uh, who knows me knows that uh, when elections are happening particularly federal elections that I will not go out that I sit at home and I have just a time on the couch by myself flicking between all the You don't stations. have an election party where you sit there and have drinks oh God, and no. players? No, I do not, not want much. to be near anybody. I don't want anybody to talk over the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I do I do love it. And, yeah, it's, it's probably my real housewives of Melbourne kind of stuff. You know, it's all the players and the backstory and the, the cut and thrust. Um, it's something that I have loved. Um, and, but I never thought that I would get the opportunity to do that because I actually don't belong to a political party. Um, I've, you know, looked at both of them, understand what well, the main parties, you know, understand uh, both of them. But I feel I sit, like most people do, somewhere in the middle of both. And so I just couldn't feel as though or didn't feel as though that I could ever have belonged and then therefore never saw a pathway into politics. And um I did get a phone call because uh, I was actually working doing business development with the Endeavour Foundation at the time and um, I had actually been transferred back to um, Brisbane. Uh, my role was going to be a national role and so I was excited about leaving and I got a phone call from somebody who said that the mayor was putting a team of people together for the next election and that they were wanting to put my name forward as part of the team. 
How close were you to leaving Townsville to go back? Great. I was about to call the removalist. So I had said a number of goodbyes. I had been the president of the Hermit Park Football Club that year and I had stood up in front of our membership and told them all I'm moving back down south and, um, you know, kind of started saying the goodbyes. And um, when the phone call came through, I said, you know, this is where I'm at. And they said, well, we feel as though you'd be a really strong candidate. And I said to them, you know, I'm not of uh, the mayor's politics. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a member of, you know, the Labor Any Party. Parties, yeah. Any party. And they said, no, she's putting together a team of people with diverse backgrounds who actually represent all different walks of life. And that really appealed to me. And um, my daughter happened to be home from school sick that day. And by the time I got off the phone, she said to me, whatever that was, you're saying yes to because I want to stay in Townsville. <laughs> how old is she? Or how old was she? Well, she was in grade seven at that stage. So I actually yeah, took a, bit, took a week. I just asked them for some time. Actually, the next phone call I got was actually from the mayor. Um, just to say, you know, I had your name and um, I had, you know, had the opportunity to meet her a number of times. So she rang me to have have that chat and uh, talked about, you know, the investment of time and what it looks like because I really didn't know practically what it would look like to, to do that role. Uh, so we talked through a bit of that and, of course, I had some concerns because I was a single parent and uh, what that time commitment looked like. Um, but anyway, she she put it to me and and said what her policies, you know, were looking like forming up for the next election. And uh, so I just asked her for a week and I just rang around a number of my people that I trusted, um, some community people, some business people, some family and friends, and just went and had coffee with them or dinner with them and said, oh, look, here's this opportunity Um what are your thoughts? And um, they all gave me their advice, but overwhelmingly it was, this is a role that you really need to do <laughs> and we'll back you 100%. And, um, and I also spoke about it with my children because it was going to impact them as well. And um, they just said to me, you have to do this. And so that for me was actually the final yes that I needed to make my decision. Why were your children the cement in your decision to stay? I, f- I felt that I wanted to, them to understand the impact that it was going to be on them. And I don't think any of us really could understand that before you, you do it. Um, but it was really important for me that we made the decision together. So going into politics then, what was your hopes and dreams and then what were the realities my hopes and dreams were to make the world a better place. <laughs> well, <laughs> peace. <laughs> Definitely to make this city a better place. My focus was always on 40 years, not four years. I don't like the fact that politics is based around this election cycle where, you know, the vision has to be so short term because good things, um, particularly big things, sometimes are unpopular, um, but they're also long term outcomes. So, I kind of got in with that aspect. Um, I'm all about growing, retaining and attracting clever people in this city because uh, the city has a lot to offer people. Yeah, so whatever I did, I think was through through those prisms, um, certainly making the city better. I felt it doesn't matter what politics you're in, you hold that candle for a certain amount of time and you make sure it keeps burning bright and then you hand it over. 
and someone else gets to take care of it. So I just wanted to do whatever I could to make that happen while I was there. So what were your biggest um, learnings through that role and your role within Endeavour as well that you were able to take forward? Yeah, um, Endeavour was a wonderful blessing actually it was my first um, role in community I'd been in commerce before that Um, I loved working in an organization that um, was born by families and by parents that's the history of the organization and of course it's a huge organization but uh, for me here locally it was about connecting the community with the organization and that was the part that I really liked and um, That's very similar to what a role in council would do also in connecting the community to the organisation and what services or support. Yeah. yeah, it does. And so having that just prior to going into council um, was actually hugely beneficial. And I do think the role um, that I held with the football club as well, because you're at the interface with people just constantly. And I felt that both of those roles actually gave me a much better perspective going into into government um, and certainly when I was with, with Endeavour because it was a non-government organisation but a big one I actually had said then it's as close to government as I'd like to get which I think was quite funny because <laughs> the next thing I did was go was into government, <laughs> government. Uh, but it was great learnings from both of those roles that actually stood me in good stead once I got into council. You mentioned before your role at the Endeavour, you were ready to go back to Brisbane. Yeah. Is that where you started? Because you were, you're a local here yeah, from my, the beginning. Well, not really. No? I was born in Brisbane. Right. Yeah. Um, my mum's family is from Townsville. So they're, uh, I'm sixth generation Townsville. Um, so that's a very big part of me and who I am and um, kind of my love for the city is that my family's been involved here for so long. But my dad was in the army. He was in defence. So we actually travelled a lot. I moved every couple of years as a kid like a lot of kids in this city do. And, um, yeah, so I had started my career here as a stockbroker uh, and then uh, I worked as a financial planner with ANZ and that actually took me down to Brisbane and then the Gold Coast and yeah, so I spent a lot of time in the southeast, and I loved it down there. Um, uh, but then decided to bring the children back up here. Um, in your career now, post council, you're the general manager of the Townsville Business Development Centre. Uh, yeah, so that's been a great opportunity for me. Again, you know, c- connecting business and community, and yeah. you and I have worked on that through the have. to get the. And Townsville I look back program. on what you've done within council endeavour, um, your financial planning and stock brokering all of those skills and previous jobs would be serving you well within this role now yeah absolutely I have I have had business I have failed at business I have been an angel investor in business so there's a lot of things that I have been able to apply to this which is really awesome and I think one of the great things is finding the value of the networking that you have done over the years Um, because I love connecting people to opportunities and uh, introducing people to one another and that's part of the delight of this job Uh, and I'd like to do some more work in that kind of space um, because I I just get so excited by, by young people and the way that there is no barrier to business anymore. Having said that, there's a lot that they don't know about business. So I think connecting them into uh, other people who've been in business for a long time and who've got 
you know, real lessons learned that they can apply to them or give to them and that whole mentoring side of things. I'm super excited about what we can do in that space. Mm. Because the, the, is it called a shed? The, the premises out there? <laughs> premises. Let's go premises. Yeah. Has, how many businesses does it hold? Uh, so up to 29. Which so is an incubator is, for small businesses starting out. It is out. a physical incubator. So everybody has their own space. So it's not a shared space. Uh, and it lets people get in there for the first few years, test their idea, test their business. And then we also provide support through workshops or one-on-one mentoring. It's good to see and it's good to see it's got an amazing person um, steerheading where you can take it. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, but I think it's through the support of other people who've been through the incubator, other people who are in positions where they understand the value of having a physical incubator in the city and um, supporting us too so that we can provide support for small business. Um, but yeah, I love it. It's cool. So we've just been talking a lot about your career and your success, but there's also a personal story to your personal life that I'm aware of. But can you tell me what was it like walking away from a relationship that just was not safe? Um, I had um, been in a relationship where um, that relationship was not great for me. It was uh, highly abusive and it took years after I left to really understand abuse and that for whatever reason made me more comfortable to call it abuse. I still find it very difficult in my mind to say domestic violence. I, my children were really um, suffering with that and so I went to seek some legal advice because you know nobody wakes up and thinks it's ideal to to do these things but um, the solicitor that said you know here's how you can legally do these things but hearing your hearing what you've been through um, my advice is to put those children in the car and drive away and never look back so that's what I did you said you've never looked back but what is life like for you now after walking away from a violent relationship mm, I think it's it's a work in progress and uh, my kids are happy they're they're young adults now you know they're not they're not kids anymore but um, knowing that that we were all safe um, it's really great and listening to you now the trauma of going through something like that obviously it never leaves you no no it doesn't it's it's certainly um something that you live with it's something um i you know when you when you're in situations oftentimes you're not seeing a lot of things and um I always say I'm part Pollyanna, part pragmatist, and I think my Pollyanna was on overdrive just to be able to stay for as long as I did, trying to make things better, um, considering I was convinced a lot of it was my fault that was happening. And uh, it wasn't until um, Rosie Batty was the uh, Australian of the Year, I think she might have been a couple of years before that, but she was speaking on TV and my kids were yak, yak, yak on the couch to one another. And I said to them, what are you two talking about? And my son, he said, oh, the, what her husband used to do to you happened to you. And um, my gut fell at that point because I'd convinced myself or my Pollyanna side had convinced myself that the kids hadn't seen stuff or they hadn't heard stuff. 
Um, but they had and they knew. How did the conversation go then? Well, I actually said I didn't, I didn't know that you had seen stuff and they just looked at each other and said, yeah, we saw everything. And I think that they had had each other so they had been able to to talk to one another but because I felt that it was my trauma I didn't want to bear them with what I was going through so I remember when we left um and my son says he actually said to somebody one day when we were homeless he talked about this time when we were homeless and I said Tim we've never been homeless what do you mean he said you were sleeping on the floor and we were sharing a bed he said we were homeless and again I didn't see that from his perspective yeah. so we had left with nothing and um yeah I remember I would wait and for, was that him just identifying what that was that was but not so much an issue for him <sighs> You know, it's not ideal when you've got kids sharing a bed and, you know, it was no, a really tiny house. But definitely but a better scenario than, than what where we they were, were in. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, again, it's probably the just his explanation. It's his words. It's his experience. And I have to understand that that's his, his understanding of what was going on for him. But I do remember I would wake up, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning and I would just be crying and again, you know, that was just the way that you survive because you've got to go, yeah, um, I've got my stuff together and I know what I'm doing and let's just, you know, move on, move forward. So in terms of coming through a relationship like that and supporting kids, mm. um, anxiety, what role did that play mm. for you? Yeah, well, then I, and now. And now, yeah. Um, I think... Because I had had, you know, panic attacks when I was younger. And um, so I had started getting support for myself, uh, you know, when I was in my early 20s around my anxiety. And one of those panic, panic attacks happened sitting outside the doctor's surgery waiting to go in to tell him because I, I knew that I was about to have to tell uh, somebody. Um, and so he had sent me to a therapist who gave me a bit of a, a quick chat on uh well here's where you are and bang 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 three steps later here's total mental breakdown so you really need to take care of this so i understood yep very important that i i do do something about this now but then he lowered the boom and said the good good news and bad news is that you're the only person who can help yourself and i got (laughs) internally like what the bloody hell you know how dare you tell me that it's me i'm here asking for help you know finally and uh yeah there was no magic pill is what he needed to tell me and yeah it was really interesting the the internal response was basically will bugger you if you're not prepared to help but it was the best advice so then um certainly there's been a lot of a, a lot of anxiety at different times and i kind of feel strangely enough that that spurs me to just to keep going I'm a bit like that too. And I've discovered when I'm really under pressure, I flap my hands. It's like, we've got to do this. We've got to get going. And my hands are flapping. Yeah. And um, yeah. Wow. Well, my, I, I actually went to the doctors at some point. This is when, when I was going through all the things. And I said, I, I felt like when I sat back on my chair, it, that there was something hurting my back. And uh, he said, oh, you probably just strained a muscle. I said, it doesn't feel like a muscle. 
but I had an appointment with my Chinese herbalist at the time and I said to her, I've got these, it's just really hurting in my back. And she said, do you know where your adrenals sit? And I said, no, I don't. She said, they sit right on top of your kidneys. Your adrenals are firing off like nobody's business. She said, you're under huge amounts of pressure. It is no wonder. And if you don't start doing something about your situation, those adrenals one day will stop doing what they're doing, which is overfiring, and you won't be able to get out of bed. And she said, and then you'll be useless to anybody, particularly your children. So, yeah. So what did that do for you? Well, that that put me in a situation where I knew that I had to take some active steps. Um, I was just talking to my best girlfriend this morning and um, she said, I remember you actually saying that you could stay in that relationship, but you'd have to have a lobotomy. And I, I do feel as though I, I probably could have because I was just pounded. I was at such a low point, but I don't know, maybe it's the, you know, balance of the Pollyanna and the pragmatist. Just, you know, I just knew I had to put my big girl pants on. I mean, I could, I definitely knew um, intuitively that the it was enough for the children. Mm. I had to get them out and keep them safe. So, because once the violence turns from you to the children, it's a different story. Oh, absolutely, and that it that actually happened, and that was the straw for me. And it, sadly enough, that pushed me to do what I had known that I needed to do for a long time. But I kind of couldn't see life beyond it because I knew it was going to be hard, you know. And you don't want to leave one kind of hard for another kind of hard. That hard I, I got used to. That hard I understood. I didn't know if I could understand the other kind of hard or I wanted the other kind of hard and then every every step of the way there's stuff that is hard Mm. um but I hear you talk about your children today and I've seen you at quite a few different events where you speak and I can say that every event you've mentioned your children and your kids are just have been a driving force that have kept you going you sound like a very tight unit um that are very very supportive of each other so i think while you've been through the most trickiest of hardest of shittiest Mm. hats off to you for raising such beautiful children who are still very closely connected and yeah and tight-knit with you yeah well for me because we we were by ourselves um everything that i did impacted them more than when you have a two-parent family because when I'm not there, nobody's there. And I've always said to them, I'm growing adults, I'm not growing children uh, or raising children. I like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so that's we've, – we've always had kind of more, I suppose, adult-to-adult conversations and um, everyone says the proof is in the pudding and I think the pudding, you know, it doesn't, does it ever finish, you know, because – even though they're now adults, um, they're still your children. So you still feel like you're in that kind of stage where you'll always be connected. Yeah. But um, that they probably had to grow up pretty fast because I had a job where I travelled. Saying to somebody the other day, you know, that they shop for themselves. I haven't washed their clothes since they got into high school. You know, they are upwardly mobile 
young people that I know full well can take care of themselves. That's a job well done. Well, you know what? It's actually, I don't even feel like I tried to do that. It wasn't even conscious. It had to happen because I couldn't have spread myself that thin. I would love to be able to pack their lunches, and but I couldn't do all of that and be the sole breadwinner. Um, yeah, and they just had nobody else to turn to. So when, when something happens, we all turn to one another. And uh, yeah, and it's interesting. I can imagine the team meetings or the family meetings or the family discussions <laughs> around the table. <laughs> yeah, and you know, oftentimes I put myself to bed early because <laughs> it's a busy life. And uh, yeah, Saturday morning, the two kids and the dog will end up like just flopped on my bed, and we talk about okay, what's happening, what's what's up, you know. And really, um, when when they were in high school, when I was really particularly busy. Um, and I would be finishing work or events or whatever at 7.30 at night, 8 o'clock at night, um, I would just say, hey, I'm driving past, you want to jump in? And we'd just jump in the car and we'd go for a drive. And um, we would just, I suppose, be checking in with each other. But we would listen to music and we would have fun and talk and they would share whatever shit that they were getting up to at school for that day or whatever. And... Uh, Obviously, me. they felt safe to share that shit with you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's probably one thing. And in know. a car, that's a really safe. Like, there's nowhere for them to go. There is, there is no escape. <laughs> Did I not think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I wasn't thinking because <laughs> I couldn't escape from them either. Uh, but it, that worked for us. And uh, yeah, look, I don't think any of this is strategic or of of really, you know end of game thought it's literally what we've had to do to to survive but in looking from that look what you've taught your children or shown your children what's right and wrong from a living environment they could have grown up experiencing something completely different that could have shaped the people they could have become they've actually said that themselves and i think the the opportunity that i've had to be so connected to them and to listen to them and know them as humans and as people. And when my son would have been in grade, and I was, it was my daughter, grade 12, she said to me, a lot of the girls were coming to school and talking about their family situations and how they hated this parent or da, 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 whatever it was. And she thought to herself, I wonder who I would have been if we had have stayed. And it was a really thoughtful question because yeah in that moment a powerful one to know you made the right decision yeah well she felt that I'd made a decision that supported her and her being who she is today and she you know my son reflects on that too you know he um he struggled has had struggles with anxiety himself and um I'm so proud of both of them and certainly for what he's done to be able to manage, you know, to learn about himself and to know himself. And, um, yeah, like he has – he left school at grade 10. He came to me and said, I want to study music engineering online. And I found this place in the UK and they they do it online. And I said to him, well, if you want a quick answer, the answer's no, but (laughs) if I can take a slow answer, I'll have a think about it. And – I took about three weeks and I still hadn't responded to him. And he said, mum, 
you have to actually do what you say now because you've always told me you need to do what you're passionate about you need to follow through mm-hmm. you, you need, and he, he just put back all of this stuff that I have been saying about life in the future um, because the jobs of today won't exist tomorrow and it is about just being you know finding something that you want to do now and doing that really well and being interested in it and then finding your next thing and your next thing and I always say to them they've got all their 20s to work out who they want to be and just to go and taste as many things as they can not feel like you have to have it all worked out at grade 11 or grade 12 I mean how ridiculous is that proposition so when he put that back on me <laughs> at that age I had to say I I will I'll absolutely I'll support you on that and it was the best decision um that I could have supported him through but I did say to him I can't afford to pay for that and he said I will work and I will pay the fees myself and he worked and he paid the fees himself oh it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen um yeah so super proud super proud of what they've been able to do for themselves yeah and like my daughter um she is that they're both very good workers they love just getting in getting a job done and uh didn't really know what she wanted to do she's just that kid that really didn't have the thing but she found uh, an opportunity to go and work and study at Hayman Island uh, in hotel management so she'll end up with a couple of qualifications out of doing that and she's off on her adventure next year so yeah it's got somewhere to go stoked. and visit <laughs> <laughs> she gets staff discounts over there. <laughs> yeah no I'm just so stoked that she's found something that she wants to do now and um, they all come to it at a different point in in life and if this is not always for her it's for her now and yeah I'm just so stoked that that's the start of her adventure so yeah Verena thank you for being brave and sharing your story today in the hope and I am very sure that it will inspire another woman who's currently in the shoes that you've been in to know that there's hope on the other side and um, you've become a very successful woman yeah a successful mum and your children as well thank you there is life after Can I just guarantee you that? BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien LaWarden.